Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Church of Christ, where our goal is to lead generations into a life-changing, ever-growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? We good today? Good, good. I, I like to see how you guys are doing, just so you know we can, we can gauge where we're at today. So, you guys all know me, and my name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and welcome to First Church of Christ, if nobody's told you that yet. Uh, if you're joining us online, welcome as well. Uh, so we are, um, it was early April, 1865. And this, we, we, this was year four of a bloody conflict that we know as the Civil War. There were two sides to this. There was the Union, or the Northern, and then there, were the, there was the Confederates, or the Southern Army. And they had been duking it out for four years in the Western Theater, what's they call it, and then also in the Eastern Theater, and in the Eastern Theater, there were two major armies that were, had been duking it out for quite a while in battles such as if you've heard of Antietam, if you've heard of Gettysburg, anything like that. And these were, the, out of the Northern, there was the Army of the Potomac, and in the Southern, and the Confederates, there was the Army of Northern Virginia. So the Army of Northern Virginia was run or led by a guy by the name of Robert E. Lee. You guys might not be familiar with that name, but he was the son of a Revolutionary War general. Uh, he, his, he had a very successful military career uh, with the United States Army before he went to the Confederate States of America. He, um, his name was, was set up for success. And so you can believe when he was surrounded at a place called Appomattox Courthouse by the Union Army, he was, uh, he was faced with a tough decision. And on the other side, in the Union, the Army of the Potomac was run by or led by a guy by the name of Ulysses S. Grant. And this guy, um, he, he did okay, and you know, he had a pretty successful military career earlier on, um, but then he, when he went to back to civilian life, he kind of struggled a little bit, uh, even to the point of he tried a couple of different trades, didn't do too well with those, uh, actually had to borrow some money from some people. Uh, so when, the, when the, the Civil War came about, it was the prime opportunity for him to do what he was good at, which was be a general, and he did that, and he was actually really good at it, even to the point of in the beginning of the war... He was, he had surrounded an enemy at a fort called Fort Donaldson. So I'm, I'm hitting you with some history today, so. Uh, and so, but what he had done was, you know, the, the Confederate general knew that it was over. He knew that it was time to surrender. So he sent correspondence saying, hey, what are your terms for surrender? And Ulysses S. Grant was famous for this very response and actually became a nickname of his because he's, his response was nothing but your immediate and unconditional surrender. So he got the nickname unconditional surrender grant. And that was what he had done time and time again. He had surrounded an enemy. He had demanded unconditional surrender. That was, that was what he did. So you had to imagine if you're Robert E. Lee, you know that the end is near. You're surrounded by an enemy. And oh, by the way, the guy's led by a guy with the nickname unconditional surrender grant, that that's probably the treatment that you're going to get. And in fact, it's the treatment that he deserved, if you think about it, because he had caused countless uh, millions of dollars in damage. Uh, there had been thousands upon thousands of casualties. There had been death. There had been countless heartache uh, with, uh, associated with w- what a war actually is. So you have to think that, that as he is getting ready to send for these terms of surrender to unconditional surrender grant that he's expecting, well, at best, I might spend prison, I was my life, the rest of my life in prison. Um, I might, I'm going to be embarrassed for the rest of my life. At worst, I could be executed. You had to think, like, these were, 
the things that were going through his head. So his life hung in the balance of the, that response to that. And so what did Grant do? How, what did the unconditional surrender Grant do? How did he respond to this? And if you're a student of history, you might be a page ahead of me and already know how he responded. But what we'll see is that he responded with leniency. He responded in a way that maybe he wasn't expected. I don't think it was too out of character because, as we had discussed before, Ulysses S. Grant knew what failure was to the point if he had people, he had to ask people for money. Oh, by the way, a fun fact that you can tell your friends is the, the general that he surrounded and Ford, at Fort Donaldson that got him that famous name, he owed that guy money. So, so imagine getting, oh, I, this guy owes me money and unconditional surrender. What? So he could have acted anyway. He could have retaliated with Robert E. Lee. He could have done anything he wanted to do, and he would have been fully justified to do so. But, but we don't see him doing that. Instead, he gives him leniency. So he does something that's not so out of character. And, it, and even though he was completely justified by this, you know, it's, it's something we can look into our own situation. We can say, you know, if I was in his shoes, oh, man, he, those, those terms of surrender would have been awful. I would have, you know, I, I would have been every, day, every bit in my right to retaliate, every bit of, you know, because we love good. We, we love to see good overcoming evil. We love to see evil being put in its place. But when we're faced with a choice of what are we, how are we going to re- react to that, we have to look at it as this, and this is exactly how he looked at it. As there is, you know, the Bible says there's a time for everything under the sun. And he understood that this was a time to make peace, not a time to settle a war. It was a time to make peace, not a time to settle a war. And I think we can look at that in our own situation because, you know, we can learn a lot from what happened there at Appomattox because we love vengeance, we love justice, we love retaliation, we love revenge. We love to see those things. And they feel good, and they're the easy thing. But when we choose the harder path, which is to make peace, we start to dig a little deeper. We start to see that God maybe has a little bit something more in store for us, that Jesus has something a little bit more in store for us. We start to see that maybe those things don't actually belong to us. So the question that we have to ask ourselves today is that are we ready? Are we ready to surrender our control? Are we ready to give things to God? That, that are, we, are we ready to let God invade those spaces that we don't want him to invade? Because we have to do that. We have to get uncomfortable to see him move sometimes. We have to make that harder choice to make peace instead of settle war. Because as we'll see, those things don't belong to us. So are we going to do that? Or are we going to stick with the status quo? Are we going to stick with being comfortable? Are we going to stick with, you know what? I like retaliation. I like it when, when somebody knocks me down, that I can knock them down too. Are we going to stick with that? Or are we going to choose the harder path to make peace? So we're going to go on this journey today together. We're going to hopefully see what we can get out of it. So we're, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. If you guys have your Bibles, feel free to open those up. It will be here on the screen of your smartphones. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. And what we're going to see out of this today is kind of similar to what Taylor talked about last week, where Jesus, I'm going to call them guardrails. I think Taylor called them fences. But Jesus gives us guardrails. He says, don't do this. But then he gives us a path forward. He gives us a path forward to what we're supposed to do. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, it says this. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye. And a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, 
Don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn and offer the other to them also. We're going to stop right there right now. So let's look at it. Let's start. Let's break this down. These two passages here. Let's uh, chapter. Sorry, not chapter. I do that all the time. Verse 38. Verse 38. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Every good first century Jew would have understood this to come right out of the law of Moses. In fact, if you look in your Bibles today, you'll find that same wording or that very similar wording in three different, cha- three different chapters of the Bible or three different books of the Bible, Leviticus, Exodus, and Deuteronomy. You will find that same exact wording or something very similar to that. And what it was was God was giving Moses the law. He was giving Moses the law. And this particular law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, was meant to be a ready system for punishment, like a, a ready, easy system. Like, hey, if, if somebody does this, then this, their punishment is exactly the same. And while that sounds all good and dandy... The problem was, is what Jesus was getting at with verse 39, was that, that the religious leaders, the Israelites, they had started to use this system instead of as a way, like how God intended it to be, they started using it as a way to settle personal vendettas. This, the, the little things, like, oh, my, my uh, neighbor plowed a little bit on my field, so now I get to plow on his field, or just things like that where they were using something that God used, that God gave them as something good, and they kind of twisted it and made it their own. So verse 38, a ready formula for punishment, easy to see. So Jesus starts with something that these Israelites would have understood. Okay, Jesus, I got it. But then what does he do? He, he, in verse 39, he drops kind of a truth bomb on him. He says, but I say to you, don't resist an evildoer. Don't resist it. Hold on, Jesus. Hold on. Wait. Then he continues and said, yeah, if anybody slaps you on your right cheek, turn and offer the other, other one also. All right, Jesus, I got you with the first part of that. That was the law of Moses. I'm good with that. But you're telling me if, if somebody does, an evil, does evil to me that I'm just supposed to, like, I'm not, you don't want me to resist them? You, you want me to be able, if somebody slaps me, you don't want me to turn the other cheek? I'm good with that, but I'm not good with I'm not good with that, the verse 39. I'm not good with turning the other cheek. I, I think if somebody does something, you know, the law says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Why can't I hit that person back? So it's it's hard for them to hear this because turning the other cheek doesn't make any sense. Why would I resist an evildoer? Now, I wanted, as we as we go through this particular passage, I want to address what this does not say. Okay, do not resist the evil evildoer and turn the other cheek. Does not say. Roll over and die. It does not say let people walk all over you. Okay? Because we are made in the image of God. Okay? God loves you. You mean something to him. People should not walk all over you. It's not saying turn the other cheek. Well, all right, hold on. Let me lay down so you can walk all over me. It's not saying that. It's not saying if you're in an abusive relationship and somebody hits you in the cheek that you've got to turn the other one to them also. It's also not talking about, he's talking about these cheeks, not those cheeks. Just so we're, so we're clear on the, on the destination, okay? So turn the other cheek. It's hard for them to say. It's, it's hard for them, it's hard for us to hear that. So when he, but I think what Jesus is getting at is he's calling us to something bigger. That, remember back to that make peace, not settle war thing? He's, I think he's going back to this because he says there's something more here. There's something bigger happening. I think what he's trying to say by this is that there is evil in this world. There is evil in this world, especially as Christ followers. 
We will encounter evil in this world. When you do so, your reaction matters. When you do so, when you encounter this, what you do matters. When somebody slaps you on the right cheek, and you will get slapped a lot, especially as a Christ follower, you'll get slapped a lot, literally and figuratively. You will get slapped a lot. When that happens, there's more happening there, and there's a better way. There's a better way. There's a way that honors God when, we ha- when that happens. And here's the other thing, too. is We're talking about when somebody slaps you on the right cheek. Think about this, okay? Jesus is talking about one of the most disrespectful things that can happen to a person is getting slapped. Let alone, this is, think of it, so somebody slaps you on the right cheek and they are right-handed. What, how does that slap go down? Okay, it's a backhand, okay? So if, if a slap, an open-handed slap is bad enough, but imagine a backhanded slap. So Jesus is talking about one of the most lowly things that somebody could do to, to you, the most humiliating things. You know, and... And for us in that situation, turning the other cheek is a hard pill to swallow. It's just plain and simple is because we love our justice. We love our revenge. We love our retaliation. We love to see good overcoming evil. That's why we love superhero movies, right? That's why we love seeing Spider-Man defeat the Green Goblin. That's why we like seeing Superman defeat Lex Luthor. That's why we like seeing Iron Man snap his fingers and Thanos and his entire army turns to dust. We love these things. And I'm sorry if I ruined something for you there. But you've had a few years to figure it out. But we love those things. We love seeing good overcoming evil. And justice is a good thing. Justice is a good thing. But here's the thing that we need to know about this, that it doesn't belong to us. Jesus is calling us to something higher, to turn the other cheek. And that means making that hard right choice. And that choice will always allow us to stand in the righteousness of God and do, a choice, and do something that honors him. But it doesn't belong to us. It even says in Romans chapter 12, if we return to your Bibles, Romans chapter 12, verse 19. If you look at it in the context of what's happening here, okay, Paul's writing a letter to the Roman church who is being highly persecuted because they are pledging allegiance to Jesus, not to Caesar, which is, by the way, punishable by death. So they are being severely persecuted in this church. And this is what Paul says to them. Verse 19, friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath. Because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But he doesn't just stop there. So so Paul right there, he gives us the guardrail. He gives us the fence. But then he also continues and tells us a better way. He said, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, what will you do? You will be heaping fiery coals on his head. He reminds them, do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Sounds a little bit like what Jesus is saying. Just kind of in a different way. What Paul is trying to get this church, and he's trying to, I think, get us to understand today, is that it's not our job to enact judgment or justice. It's not our job to enact justice. And that's really honestly quite, it's, it's hard for us as Americans to understand that because we are taught from a very early age that we are to have pride in ourselves. We are to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We are to X, Y, and Z. 
You name it. We were taught to have pride in ourselves. We're, we're, we're in a country that was founded on terms like give me liberty or give me death. Like, from a very early age, we are taught to like to, that justice is a thing. That justice is ours. But what God says, God's way, is that justice doesn't belong to us. Vengeance, all that. It does not belong to us. So if we're able to do what Paul says, which is says, leave room for God's wrath because it's written, vengeance belongs to me. If we trust God to say that, that he says, I will repay, then what happens? If we, if we choose his way, what happens? Look at verse 20. It says, this is what happens. But if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, what do you get to be? A heaping fiery coal on his head in the name of Jesus. And that's a good thing. Like, so, and just to be clear, a heaping fiery coal, that should not be our motivation to do right. Right? To hurt our enemies. Okay? So, but that's what we get to do. And by doing so, what do we do? We conquer evil with good. We're not conquered by it. These are all things that Jesus is calling us to. It's what Paul is calling us to. We have to do the hard thing. We have to make the choice that honors God. And in so doing, if you heap that fiery coal on their head, think about this. If, if, they have, if you have a coal on your head, what are you probably going to do? Try to get it off. Well, maybe in doing so, you would turn your head, and that would allow your enemy to turn their head towards Jesus. So in so doing, that could happen. So let's make the hard choice. Let's do the hard things. Let's continue. We're going to read, uh, continue reading in Matthew chapter 5. And so Jesus has given us the guardrails. He's given us, but he's, now he's going to give us the better way. So verse 40, As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go with one, them one mile, go with them too. Give to the one who asks of you and don't. Turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. So Jesus takes it a step further. He gives us a way to go. He says, you're being sued for your shirt. Give me your coat. If, if somebody forces you to go with them a mile, go with them too. Give those who are asking of you and don't turn away those who want to borrow from you. Go to the second mile. Do something unexpected. You know, we all like our stuff. We all take pride in our stuff, but what Jesus, I think, is kind of getting to the heart of here is that pride gets in the way. Pride gets in the way. Nine times out of ten, actually, sorry, let me correct that. Ten times out of ten, pride gets in the way. I've seen it in my own life. You might have seen it in your, own, your life as well. Pride will always get in the way. So it's when we can go above and beyond that we can start to begin the path towards the way that Jesus that is calling us to. So verse 40 Somebody sues you for your shirt. Give him your coat as well. Oh, hold on, Jesus. I like my coat. I like my shirt, too, that this guy's already taken away from me. But you want me to give him my coat? I mean, my mom bought me this coat. Like, I got this for Christmas. Like, it's North Face. You realize how much this coat costs? No, Jesus is saying, even in that moment, go above and beyond. Give them more. And then we get to be... Maybe we get to be a heaping fiery coal on their head. I don't know. So verse 40 talks about that. Verse 41 is when Jesus says, if anybody forces you to go with them one mile, go with them two. And that might not make a lot of sense to us. Maybe we can put it in our own context. But to a first century dude, they would have understood that. And they probably, they probably honestly would have had some audible groaning. Like, 
oh, really? Because what Jesus is hitting at there, so the Israelites were, in the first century Jews, they were under the Roman law, under Roman rule. So at any point, no matter what you were going, no matter where you are going, no matter what appointment you were getting to, no matter what was going on, a Roman soldier could walk up to you and say, here, carry my shield, carry my luggage, and they would be legally bound to do so for a mile, or a Roman mile. So think about how humiliating that could be. Hey, I'm going to my doctor's appointment. I've I've had this scheduled for six months. Here, carry my shield for a mile. Oh, now you're going to be late. Think about how humiliating that could have been to them. And what is Jesus saying? He's saying, if they force you to go that mile, if they force you to do something that, that you don't want to do, go above and beyond. Go the second mile. For in doing so, you might make an enemy, a friend, and they might not, maybe they won't bother you again. Maybe they'll, or maybe they'll take advantage of you for doing that. But that doesn't matter. That's still okay. That's, maybe that he's getting something with the turning the other cheek there. I don't know. So, go the second mile. Verse 42. Give to the one who asks of you and don't turn away the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, um, think about this. So we all love our stuff. We all have pride in our stuff. Does anybody have that person in their life that like notoriously borrows something? And doesn't return it. It's okay to raise your hand. Uh, or maybe that person that, that when they return it, it's not in as good a shape as you gave it to them. Does any, we, and if you're not raising your hand, you might be that person. Just so we're saying, just so we're clear. So maybe that's motivation to raise your hand. But what, what Jesus is saying is like, don't hold on to that. Because why? Where does everything come from? Who gives you everything? What, what, who does everything belong to? It belongs to the Lord. Right? The scripture says every good and perfect thing comes down from the Father of lights. And if we believe that, then we believe our possessions, everything that we have, our finances, it all belongs to God, right? So when somebody asks you for something, freely give it to them. Somebody wants to borrow something, let them borrow it. Maybe set a reminder in your phone to get it back in a month or two. But let them do it because why everything comes from God. And see what Jesus ultimately is doing. He's doing a couple of things here. He's giving us, so he's giving us the guardrails, he's giving us the fences, but he's also giving us a direction to go, which is above and beyond. Right? That's the direction. Go above and beyond. So that we can be heaping fiery coals in the name of Jesus. See, I think actually, if you look at it in the undertow of everything that's happening here, everything. If you look, if you strip it down to exactly what it is, I think Jesus is, is pointing us to love. The, the basis of everything that we have talked about today, the basis of everything that Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount talks about, the foundational basis of that is love. And because he loves us, he's calling us to something more. He's calling us to something higher. And he wants us to understand what I want you to, uh, to leave here with today is this. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. Let's give Jesus our best. Okay? Don't settle for less. Give Jesus your best. Hopefully by that rhyming, it'll help you remember it better. Don't settle for less. Give Jesus your best. It's what he's calling us to do. It's what he will continually call us to do. He will, you will have situations where you need to get uncomfortable and turn the other cheek. And that's okay. He's... Choose his way. Go above 
and beyond and watch your enemies turn into your friends. Go above and beyond and watch more people be invited into the kingdom of God because you chose kindness in a moment where you could have chose wrath. Go above and beyond and see the bigger picture that Jesus is trying to show us here. If we can do this, I mean, imagine, imagine that. Imagine if we loved our enemies, which we'll talk about this next week. If we imagine if we loved our enemies and prayed for those who persecuted us. Instead of enacting our own judgment. How much would that render them powerless? Because they, have no, they hold no power here. How much would that allow us to be those heaping fiery coals? Imagine if all the basis of all of our actions, everything that we did, everything that we, that every action, every inaction, everything, it's centered around love. It's centered around not just love, but God's love for us and God's love for others. Imagine if every basis of our action was there. Could you imagine if we answer the call to go above and beyond that Jesus is inviting us to? Could you imagine how much better our world would be, how much better it could be if we did that? If we simply said, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go higher. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to aim higher than an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. I'm going to choose to love that person instead. And, I, and I'm not just going to love them. I'm also going to go above and beyond and reach out to them. Even when they don't deserve it. Even when they don't deserve it. Think back to where we started this journey today. Back at Appomattox, Appomattox Courthouse. So Robert E. Lee knows he's cornered, he's surrounded, he's cut off. He has no other choice but to surrender to unconditional surrender grant. So he sends the letter. Right or wrong, do or die, here you go. I didn't exactly go over what the the conditions of that surrender was. You see, Grant responded when he could have responded any other way. He could have retaliated. He could have had him executed. Well, how did he respond? Well, the first thing he said, the first condition of that, was that any of your public belongings, that's your rifles, the cannons, anything that you got from your government, you have to give that away. That seems pretty fair. But the next thing he did was, hey, you can still keep your sidearms, your swords, your, your, all your personal belongings and luggage. You can keep that. And you can even keep your horses so that you can go home and you can farm and you can start again. But he didn't stop there. The last thing he did was he paroled the entire army. He paroled them. He said, I know all the stuff that you've done, all the death, destruction, the heartache. I know all of that that you've done. As long as you don't try to turn your back on us again, you are forgiven. You are paroled. We we won't even talk about it anymore. Let's look forward. See, in a moment where they deserved so much justice, judgment, vengeance, retaliation, revenge, they were shown grace. They were shown they were, they made, he made peace instead of settled war. It's a lot, if you think about it, it's a lot how God made peace with us. We deserve wrath. We still deserve wrath. We still deserve judgment. We deserve nothing. But what did he do? God sent his son, Jesus. He sent the savior of the world 
to live amongst us, to die for us. All of our sin, past, present, future, all of that, nailed it to the cross. Jesus said, it is finished. Jesus overcame death. He defeated sin. And he rose again on the third day to give us hope of eternal life with him. And now, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. He's seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us. He's interceding on our behalf to God. That in itself should blow your mind. But he doesn't stop there, because here's the thing about all that vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, says the Lord. We know how the story ends, because we know that Jesus has already won. He's already won, and he's coming back again to overcome evil and to enact his judgment on it. That's good news for us because we have a Lord and a Savior who has already won, and he did it for us, not because we deserved it. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you... What situation you need to turn the other cheek in? Again, this cheek. I don't know what situation you need to turn the other cheek in. I don't know what, what evil that's happening to you that you have been resisting. And by the way, that evil could be yourself. I don't know what that is for you today, but I pray that you take the steps to turn the other cheek, to not resist evil, and to choose the hard path that Jesus offers us. What are you holding on to? Are you angry? Are you jealous? Do you have pride in your life that you need to set aside? Are you holding a grudge? Whatever that is for you today, give that to Jesus. And don't be surprised if you ask for it back if he says, it ain't here anymore. Go the extra mile for somebody this week. And I'm not just talking about the easy, low-hanging fruit of your spouse or your friends or your family. Go the extra mile for your enemy, that person that you don't like. Maybe you can turn your friend or your enemy into a friend. Go the extra mile with somebody this week. Because here's what we need to understand. God gave us his son freely. He freely gave us his son and Jesus freely gave his life for us. So when it comes to our possessions, when it comes to those things that we don't want to give away or those things that we don't want people to borrow, we need to understand where it comes from. And everything, every good and perfect thing comes down from the father of lights. So maybe it's time to declutter that closet and maybe instead of selling everything in your closet, give it away to the people who need it. Maybe that's what you need to do this week. I don't know if you're looking for a simple step. Give to the one who asks of you. Don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. I believe that we can do this this week. I have full confidence in us that we can do that this week. And as we're going to be singing here in just a second, I believe we're, we're going to be able to speak Jesus over the, not just our community, not just over our friends, in a way that we're just speaking, but we're actually going to be able to do this indeed. Not just in word, in word and in deed. We can do this. I have full confidence that when we react to hate and to evil differently, that people will look at us and say, 
What do they have? Because I want that. I have full confidence that we can do that. Guys, this week, let's be fiery coals on people's heads, but in the name of Jesus. Not because it feels good to hurt somebody who's evil, but because they probably need Jesus' love more than we do. Honestly, we all need Jesus' love equally. Okay, guys, if you, don't, if you leave with anything, leave with this. Don't settle for less. Give Jesus your best. Let's stand. We're going to pray. And then the band's going to come out and sing with us. God, I'm so grateful for your love. So grateful for your grace. So I'm so grateful for your son, Jesus. That he, that he came down willingly. He died for us. And he rose again on the third day. So thankful that he's seated at your right hand, interceding on our behalf, and that he's coming back again one day to right every wrong and to enact his judgment on evil. God, as we go out into our world today, as we go out into our lives, God, I pray that you would give us the courage to turn the other cheek because turning the other cheek has never been about weakness. It's always been about strength. God, I pray that that as we go out into the world and as, as people wrong us, that our reaction would be one that honors you. I pray that our reaction would be the one to go, to go the second mile, to go above and beyond. God, I pray for those that are hurting, those that are struggling. God, I pray that, that you would give us the courage to let you invade those spaces that we don't want you to invade, to get uncomfortable, God, that you would allow us to stop having spiritual, boring lives, that we would start to be your hands and feet right where we're at because we can do that. We can choose the hard path and we can do it all because you are with us every step of the way, going before us, going behind us, You are with us. Allow us to speak Jesus to this world, to this community, to in our lives. And not just speak it, but also do it. We love you and hear us as we sing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by First Church of Christ in Bluffton, Indiana. For more information, visit FCCFamily.com.